This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. And today uh, we flip the page to my favorite time of year. It is now officially baseball season. (laughs) The Super Bowl is over, and now we can get to the sport that's near and dear to my heart as baseball gets ready to open their spring training camps. Pitchers and catchers restart reporting uh, tomorrow across Major League Baseball in Florida and Arizona. And, man, I cannot wait. Um, So uh, it is the 13th day of February. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I am the luckiest man in the world. I have a wife who hates Valentine's Day. And and I you know look I have to my wife is actually right about this and and you know this isn't just because um, this isn't just because she's not a big fan of Valentine's Day. Um, Barb says the same thing. She said, "Look, if Valentine's Day is the only time during the year that you're going to show your significant other that you love them, that's a problem." You know, and so she's always been that way. I mean, I you know, I always get her a card, and she she likes that, but she doesn't want me to. Uh, she doesn't want to have any fancy dinners. Go out into the, the feed into the the hoopla, as she calls it. It's basically a, a, a greeting card holiday. Um, she she doesn't want to feed into all of that. And she said to me, "Don't be buy go don't go out and spend all this money on flowers. If you want to buy me flowers, go buy me a, a bouquet at the supermarket." I mean, honest to God, I. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, for those of you that are going to be spending hundreds of dollars on, on Valentine's day, good for you. Um, and if that's what your wife, girlfriend, et cetera, needs, then, then you do what you got to do. But I consider myself incredibly fortunate, uh, to have a wife that thinks that way. Uh, I apologize ahead of time. If I make any missteps this morning, I'm a little, uh, bleary eyed this morning. I was up, uh, at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, went to sleep probably about 11.30, so I'm working on about four and a half hours of sleep. I usually get between six and seven, but uh, for whatever reason, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning. Well, because I had to use the bathroom because I'm old. Um, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, and you know how sometimes, I, I, I'm sure it's happened. I'm not, I can't be the only person this happens to. I woke up at four. And my mind started working, started thinking about things and, 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 you know, things I had to do around the house, things I was going to talk about on the show this morning. And I'm laying there and it's like half hour, 40, 45 minutes. I was like, okay, might as well just get up. So I did, got out of bed. And uh, so here I am and a little, uh, a little sleepy, but we'll get through it. Um, All right, let's, uh, let's get to the Super Bowl yesterday. 
Um, look, it was an exciting game. It was, you know, it, we, we don't often get Super Bowls that take us right down to the end, so that was fun. Uh, no doubt about that. It was an anticlimactic ending. There is no other way to put it. The, uh, the fact that uh, the, the defensive holding call was made against James Bradbury down deep in Eagle territory in the final two minutes of the game on a third down play when Patrick Mahomes overthrew the ball was um, – uh, look, was it technically a penalty? I mean, I guess you have to say it was because Bradbury himself said, I grabbed his jersey. I tugged his jersey. I was hoping they would let it slide. They didn't. The referee, Carl Sheffers, after the game, said it was a clear case of a, of a jersey grab. Um, they said that he grabbed the jersey with his right hand, restricted him from releasing to the outside, so they called defensive holding. I'm, let me tell you something. Even if he, even if there isn't that little bit of a tug on the jersey, and make no mistake, this was not like a a full out grab and yank back. Um, that ball was overthrown. He wasn't going to catch it anyway. However, it is what it is. But it's it's kind of like in a basketball game. You hate, or, you know, you hate, or in a baseball game, you hate to see a baseball game end on a controversial called strike three, a pitch that's, you know, six, you know, six inches outside and they call it a strike and the game's over and the bases are loaded and it's a one-run game. That's essentially what this was. You know, a basketball game where, you know, on the final shot of the game, a desperation uh, shot at the end of the game and uh, you know, some light contact, they call the foul and, and the team that gets fouled wins it on free throws with no time on the clock. It's just... You know, you hate to see it decided by a call. Yes, it was technically the right call, but I would have rather seen them keep that flag in their pocket. Look, even if they don't make the call, the Chiefs are going to take the lead. Butker's going to make a chip shot field goal, and the Chiefs are going to have that lead. The difference is then the Eagles would have had you know, a minute 50 seconds, minute 45 seconds, and a timeout with a chance to get a field goal to tie or a touchdown to win. You know, they would have had a chance. And and it seemed to me at, at the way that that game went, it seemed to me that the fans deserved that. You know? That's just that's just kind of the way. I, I, I just felt like... The, those two teams slugging it out the way they did to have it decided on a call the way it was was doing a disservice to the fans and in a way doing a disservice to the NFL. And by the way, this is right after Roger Goodell a couple of days ago in his press conference prior to the NFL said, uh, by the way, officiating's never been stronger in the NFL, which makes me wonder what the hell he's been watching because people have been griping about the officials all season. Um, but after that call, they essentially just ran out the clock. Patrick Mahomes, you know, takes a knee, and uh, that was that. 
Cause, because, you know, they got that first down, and then McKinnon had a chance to score a touchdown and did the smart thing. He slid down at the one-yard line. That was brilliant because the Eagles wanted to let him score. Figuring if he scores, they kick the extra point, we'll get the ball back and we'll have a chance to go down the field. Maybe we'll go for two and have a chance to win it. But McKinnon did the right thing, slid down, and uh, then a couple of kneel downs and the field goal, and, and we're done. So it was disappointing. And and I didn't think we were going to get to this point. When Patrick Mahomes re-injured that ankle in the first half and you saw him limping and grimacing the way that he was going to the sidelines and the way that you know he was running off, but he was running very gingerly on it. When you saw that, I went, oh, God. You know, and I just thought that now, you know, it's going to end up being a blowout. And I was like, oh, you know, here we go. I'll be I'll be flipping this thing off in the third quarter. Now, I, I don't know what they gave Patrick Mahomes at halftime. Somebody on Twitter said elephant tranquilizers. I don't know what they gave him. Whether they numbed him up, whatever they did, you know, I, I think it was more than giving him a couple of Advil, I'll tell you that. Uh, whatever they gave him, he came out, and, and the, the amazing thing was, and they were talking about it, you know, it said, look, if he comes back out in the second half and he's just a pocket passer, Kansas City's toast. Right? Because that's not how Patrick Mahomes conducts his business. You know, Mahomes is one of these guys that he excels when he is creating chaos by moving around. He admits himself that sometimes he holds the ball too long and he likes to run around. And he likes to be creative. And I thought that, you know, that if he, it, at best, he was going to be able to come out and be a pocket passer. Otherwise, I was thinking we were going to see Chad Henney and then forget it. But then Patrick Mahomes comes out in the second half and not only did he throw the ball well, he ran the ball a few times. And here was the amazing thing to me, and, and again, i got to give this guy a lot of credit. He's got some big onions. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to get carried away, but because I saw, con, you know, con, uh, comparisons last night to Tom Brady already. Let's relax. He just won his second Super Bowl. He's got a long way to go before he gets to Tom Brady. But he showed me a lot last night when he's running the football on a bad ankle and he had an opportunity on a couple of those plays to just scoot out of bounds, not take a hit and, and you know, line up for the next play. Instead, he cuts it back up into the field, gains another five or ten yards before he's taken down. He wasn't looking to play it safe. So I give him a lot of credit for that. He showed a lot of guts. Um, ends up being named the MVP. Now you can you could debate that. I mean, look, I I think you know he they had to give him the MVP. I think because of the injury. I mean, he did throw three touchdown passes. Did not throw a pick. Uh, I, they had to give it to him. But you could make a case that Kadarius Tony was the MVP of that game. Had a touchdown reception early in the fourth quarter that gave the Chiefs the lead, 28-27, which they then later uh, extended on another touchdown pass from Mahomes to Sky Moore. 
But the biggest play of the game was probably a punt return. It was a line drive punt, and he returned it. Kadarius Tony returned it 65 yards to the Eagles' five. It was the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. That was probably the play of the game because after that, they then set up another touchdown. They take a 35-27 lead when Mahomes hits Sky Moore with a four-yard pass. And then Jalen Hurts shows he's not done. You know, you look like you're thinking, well, this is a chance for the Eagles to just fold up and go away. They're down, you know, they're down eight with nine minutes to go. And then uh, Hurts hits Devonta Smith, a 45-yard pass, all the way down to the Chiefs' two. And then he runs it in for his third score of the game. Jalen Hurts had three touchdown receptions, or three touchdown runs, and he threw one. 15 carries, 70 yards, three touchdowns. And then he runs it in for the two-point conversion, and we're tied at 35 with five minutes to go. You know, here's but here's the thing. This Eagles defense, which was very good, never got very close to Patrick Mahomes. They knocked him, you know, they 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 uh they never sacked him. They pressured him a couple of times, but I this is an Eagles team that led the NFL in sacks by a wide margin and they couldn't touch Patrick Mahomes a guy that's not 100% with a bad ankle. And Patrick Mahomes and these Kansas City Chiefs carved up the Eagle defense, especially in the second half. You know, you look at the final stats, and the Eagles had over 400 yards of offense (coughs) to just over 340 for the Eagles. But it was all about the second half. And that Eagle defense needed to come up big, and it didn't. So, you know, you can see why they gave it to Mahomes because of the ankle injury and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But Kadarius Toney, a guy who the Giants basically gave away because they they gave up on him. Right? I mean, he was – it was midway through his second season in the NFL, the Giants said, eh, enough. And the Giants may have <laughs> may have given Andy Reid uh, his second Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid, by the way, there's been there were some rumors that uh, he was going to retire. Perhaps at the end of this, he wasn't sure what he was going to do. Uh, he put an end to that real quickly. He was asked right after the game, uh, he's going to be 65 years old next month, and right after the game, they said he said, "Hey, if they'll have me, I'll stick around." Of course, they're going to have him. Good lord. So, um, the one other thing about this game, and we'll get to the other ancillary stuff here in a minute, because uh, everybody wants to talk about the ads and, you know, Rihanna and all this. So, we'll get to that in a minute. But here's the other thing, and I don't know what's going on with that field in Arizona, but it reminded me, because guys were falling all over the place, slipping and sliding and losing their footing, I mean, multiple times. It reminded me of a, like a, a basketball game 
where the court is put down over a hockey rink. You know, this can it happens used to happen in Boston a lot with the uh, Bruins and the Celtics. And when the warmer weather would come, the condensation from the ice underneath the basketball floor would cause, you know, uh, wet spots on the floor and cause people to slip and slide. Saw that many times. That's what it reminded me of because guys were, it was like all of a sudden it's like whoop and they're down. So, you know, and it was probably, I, mean, I don't know, I don't know how many times, but several times players on both teams were losing their footing. The field was terrible. Terrible. They had the same issue in the Super Bowl last year. So I don't know if it's because they they come in there and they try, you know, they try to spruce up the field. Look, these fields have been played on all year, right? So in many, in many ways, they're beat to crap. Unless you're going to play this, you know, on a turf field, a lot of these fields have had the crap beat out of them. So I don't know what the deal was with this field, but it was it was embarrassing for the NFL to have that many players losing their footing, and they've got to figure that out. they got to figure it out before they play the game in Vegas next year. But you can't have that. You can't have that. Uh, prior to the game, um, Chris Stapleton – who did the national anthem, probably, in my opinion, you know, I guess the Whitney Houston version of the national anthem at the Super Bowl is probably considered the gold standard. And it was certainly, the Whitney Houston version is certainly a lot more, um, uh, traditional. Uh, it was a much bigger sound, and, you know, uh, the Chris Stapleton version was stripped down. It was Chris Stapleton and his guitar, and it was awesome, awesome. Uh, a very uh, well-done anthem. It was a little bit on the slow side, but, you know, that is what it is. Um, but he was great. And, you know, and it it brought some people to tears. And, you know, it wasn't just because of the national anthem. Some of it's the big moment. Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Eagles, uh, there's going to be memes forever of him. He had tears coming out of both his eyes as Stapleton was singing because he was doing a great job. But also, you know, for Sirianni, uh, this is a guy that wasn't even wanted in Philly, right? The, when he got hired in Philadelphia, the fans were pissed, right? They were like, who is this guy? We don't want this guy. You know, so – uh, you know, so to to have that, and then all of a sudden, here you are, you're leading this team into the Super Bowl. He even said that there's been times he's thought about that, about how emotional it was going to be for him that day. And there's no doubt uh, that he was emotional. He, as I said, tears coming out of both eyes, and people are going to, you know, the memes on Facebook and, and Twitter are going to kill him for that. But what a great job by Chris Stapleton. Um and then they had uh, Baby Faced at America the Beautiful. And, again, it was just him and an acoustic guitar. It was pretty good. You know, it was all right. Uh, and then there, you know, the, the new thing that they do, um, Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is uh, what's called the, uh, the Black National Anthem. Uh, you know, whatever. I mean, look, here's the thing. It's, it, I, 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 don't, I don't like that, uh, I don't like that uh, title for it. 
we have one national anthem, right? We live in the United States, and the Star Spangled Banner is our national anthem. But, you know, I understand, you know, that's all kind of part of the whole slavery thing, and, and it's it's a traditional uh, hymn. And, and it's fine. You know, it's fine. I don't have any issue with them doing it, but let's not be calling it the Black National Anthem, please. You know, I mean, it's just because, I mean, it's just not. So, um, but it was fine, and it was uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph did a nice job with it. She's on that uh, show on television, Abbott Elementary, which I've never watched, but she's also a Broadway actress, and she did a very nice job, very nice job. So that was great. And then there was the halftime show. And I know that I'm 62 years old. All right, so, you know, going into it, we already know that this ain't my kind of music. Right, so... <laughs> I I knew going in that it wasn't going to be my thing. Now, having said that, it wasn't offensive. You know, it wasn't horrible. Do I know much of Rihanna's catalog? No. I know a couple of her songs. The one that's, you know, the one that I know the most um, is uh, is Diamonds, you know, and I don't particularly like it. You know, and, and you know, the rest of it was, it was fine, you know, but for people saying it was this big electric halftime show, and it wasn't. It was fine. It was kind of weird with those dancers. That was just weird, you know, and the whole platform thing. That's, you know, but it is what it is. But was this to the level of some of the other Super Bowl shows I've seen? No. This was not Prince, I'll tell you that, because Prince was the best one I've ever seen. And I thought Bruce Springsteen was unbelievable when he did it. Uh, Bruno Mars was great when he did it. You know, to me, those are my those are my top three that that I ever saw. Uh, you know, but I'll tell you what, what she did was far better than that hip hop crap that we had on last year's Super Bowl. You know, at least this had some melody to it, and you know, there was an attempt to sing. You know, and 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 of course, everybody, all they want to talk about is the fact that uh, she's pregnant. Yeah, good for her. Um, just had a baby nine months ago, and she's pregnant again. Uh, became very obvious the baby bump was very up right from the beginning I went hmm and I you know before in before anybody ever knew it you know no nobody nothing was said and somebody said why is she dressed like she's getting ready to jump out of an airplane because <laughs> she did have on this baggy red suit kind of looked like a you know a, a flight suit uh, but it was to hide the baby bump and uh, so anyway, it was fine, you know, but, but don't let's not get carried away with, you know, it was one of the greatest halftime shows ever because it wasn't. Let's just calm down about that. But, you know, again, I know that at my age, the NFL is not looking to to present a halftime show for people my age. You know, and I have to recognize that I have now moved into that demographic of of. <laughs> I don't want to say my, you know, of when my grandparents. I guess when I was young. I mean, that's where I am now. It's terrible, uh, but I like to keep up on music. I mean, you know, I'm a, we obviously with this station. I'm a big country music fan, so we know that. But I try to keep up with music. I mean, I listen to a lot of music, uh, and not just country music, mostly country music. But I'm a big rock fan, and I still, you know, I still listen to some of the newer stuff from from uh, some of the pop artists and some of the country. It, look, I like. You know, I know Taylor Swift started as a country uh, country artist. I like some of her new stuff. I really do. Uh, you know, there's some other pop artists now that are fine. You know, I think Bruno Mars is out, is one of the best entertainers around. So I'm not completely out of it. I'm not, you know, but I'm going to tell you that, uh, you know, you know, Rihanna was okay. 
She was all right, but let's not get carried away. I don't, and I, you know, and I don't want to start some, you know, big thing. But I don't understand the fascination with Beyonce either. You know, I just don't. I, you know, uh, she's got a couple of songs that are good, but I mean, come on, come on. You know, this she's. It's just a. Uh, I don't know. I'm just old. It's 29 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll spend a few minutes talking about the commercials from yesterday. There were a few good ones. Uh, and uh, then we'll get to some other NFL news and get to baseball. It's a beautiful thing. I can't wait. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. Uh, so the uh, Super Bowl ads from last night, my favorite, hands down. Again, probably biased because I'm a big fan. Dunkin' Donuts, the ad with uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez was classic. Loved it. Loved it. Now, again, you know, uh, I'm a Dunkin' Donuts fanatic. It's the only coffee that I drink at home. I I buy their coffee and make it at home uh, because out here in the sticks, the closest Dunkin' Donuts to me is 25 minutes away. So it's not like I can just go around the corner to a Dunkin' and, and get my coffee. But that is uh, my my coffee of choice. And uh, I'm not so much a big fan of their donuts, but uh, their coffee is the best. And Ben Affleck's the same way. He's got one, I guess, right near his home in California. And uh, you see him all the time. Every time he's photographed, he seems to have a Dunkin' uh, cup in his hand. So this was this was great. He actually went to them and said, hey, we should do this. And he actually directed the thing, and it was great. It was great. Um, so I thought that one was very good. Uh, what else was good? I I, uh, I enjoyed the uh, uh, the one uh, was it a uh, a beer commercial with uh, Sarah McLaughlin in it, uh, kind of making fun of her uh, music being used by the ASPCA uh, for the abused uh, dogs and stuff and. Uh, I thought that one was pretty good, you know, kind of poking fun at herself. That was fun. Um, I thought the uh, uh, the um, Michelob Ultra with uh, the Caddyshack thing was kind of funny. Uh, it wasn't as good as I, I had hoped it was going to be, but it was still pretty funny with Brian Cox and Serena. That was that was pretty good. Um, you know the uh, the one with uh, the Breaking Bad cast, eh? You know, all right. I never watched Breaking Bad to be honest with you. I don't like the whole, and, and I, you know, I'm sure this is, I, maybe I'm just weird. The whole drug culture thing, I don't like that. You know, the fact that the, the that whole series was based on a guy uh, making drugs. Yeah, I wasn't gonna watch it just because of that. I, I just, I won't. I, you know, it's just uh, because in some ways, it's it's it's. Uh, you know, it's I don't say it's glorifying it, but, you know, you're you're getting into characters that are doing really, really bad things. So I just I never watched it, uh, nor did I watch the uh, Better Call Saul, the follow up to it. Just it's just not my thing. Uh, so but it was uh, that was fine. I thought the Melissa McCarthy one for booking dot com was kind of funny. The Will Ferrell one with the one they did with GM and Netflix. A, it was too long and B, it was just weird. Uh, it didn't really understand that. Um, there was a, uh, uh, the one with Alicia Silverstone, uh, kind of a throwback to Clueless. That was just, yeah, it was fine. It was just kind of weird. Uh, the Adam Driver one for Squarespace. What the hell was that? 
You know, that was odd. So, I mean, you know, there were some hits. There were some misses. Uh, I thought the one with John Travolta for T-Mobile was kind of funny. You know, kind of doing a throwback to the uh, to the Grease days. That was kind of funny. Um, and then there was those commercials um, that were put together by some kind of a, a Christian group. And I, I supposedly they're not affiliated with any church, although when you look a little bit more into it, uh, you know, and uh, there's some you know, questionable stuff there. But the campaign of, of Jesus, uh, about Jesus, and he says he gets us. You know, I like that. Look, I like the sentiment. Don't get me wrong. You know, one of them said that, uh, you know, Jesus loved the people that you hate. You know, look, I, I am not against the idea that we need to be kinder people. And if we could be more like, you know, be more Christian the way that Christ, many Christians often are not, by the way. I love these people that call themselves Christians uh, and then go out and uh, cheat on their wives and, you know, you know, rob the country blind and, you know, go go into Congress and uh, act like an ass and embarrass yourself. But you're a Christian. You know, I, I, those are my kind of Christians. Right. But I, I think if we could all be more uh, like what the Christian ideal is, you know, if we could all be more like, you know, Jesus was, then that's great. You know, and the idea that Jesus gets us and the idea that we need to be kinder to each other, I love that. Just seemed weird <laughs> in the middle of the Super Bowl. Weird. Um, we see those down here. Uh, we see more ads down here where I live in uh, North Carolina and Georgia uh, along those lines because the church is so much more in your face down here. There are more churches per square mile in the south than anywhere in the country. It's unbelievable. You can't. You can't throw a rock without hitting a church down here and it's all different denominations there's a lot of christian churches but there's also you know baptist and, and uh, episcopal and i mean is there you know catholic there's everything everybody's down here <laughs> and there's lots of them but i just thought those were kind of weird uh my big uh, who cares of the night there was a uh, an ad announcing that you too is going to be doing a las vegas residency I could not care less. And by the way, U2 is like my generation, right? These That's like one of the rock groups that people my age love, not me. I think that U2 is one of the most overrated bands in the history of bands. I, I just think that most of their music is crap. And the fact that, you know, and by the way, I mean, I saw some pictures of Bono. He, looked like, he looks like 10 miles of bad road. Uh, but they're going back out uh, to do a, some kind of a residency in Las Vegas that's going to be um, uh, basically uh, centered around their old album, Achtung Baby. I could not care less. You could not pay me to go to a U2 concert. If you came to me and said, I will give you uh, round-trip tickets, hotels, meals, and everything to go see U2, I'd pass. I really would. So, you know, I was like, eh, whatever. Good luck. Have fun. Uh, and the other stupid thing of the night, this whole Rob Gronkowski thing of making the field goal, and it was a fan duels thing, and if he made it, uh, fans were going to get, like, uh, part of uh, $10 million in free bets. And, uh, well, he missed the field goal. But they gave out the money anyway. But here's the thing. I thought this was supposed to be – they said it was going to be a live thing, that it was going to be live on television. 
It was not live. It was taped. It was stupid. And it looked like he made the field goal. When he kicked it, it looked like it went through the uprights by a mile. Right? And so and and they said it's no good. And I went, "What?" I said it went right through. And I ran it back and I looked again and it still looks like he made it. But then on Twitter this morning, I saw the side view of it, the sideline view. They had a, another camera on the sideline and it shows it clearly hooked left and it missed the left upright. But it was just dumb. It's time for him to go away, too. You know, I was, remember how we were talking to Dan Zampano on Friday when we were ta- previewing the Super Bowl, and I said, you know, I kind of have – we all have Brady fatigue. You know, that's, that's the term he used. I have Gronk fatigue, too. Just enough already. Just go away. Go away. And it's really weird because I don't have fatigue over the Mannings. They crack me up. But there's just something about Gronk and Brady. I just – I've had enough. Please go away. All right, so that's that's it for the Super Bowl. Excuse me. There are a couple other things uh, to mention around the NFL. Uh, Derek Carr uh, visited with the New Orleans Saints last Wednesday, and it looked like he was going to get traded from the Raiders to the Saints, and supposedly the Raiders already kind of had, and the Saints already had a compensation package worked out that was supposed to be reasonable. So this looked like it was going to be a done deal. Problem is, it's not a done deal. Why? Because in order for this deal to happen, the Saints needed Derek Carr to take a pay cut, and Derek Carr said, "I am not going to do that." So uh, he has, and he has a full no trade in his contract. So he has nixed it. So he will not be going to the Saints. He will now become a free agent because it it appears as though Las Vegas will cut him. Because if they keep him on their roster, they owe him $40 million in guaranteed money over the next two years. If they release him, they take a much smaller hit to their salary cap. So he will become a free agent and let the uh, mayhem begin. Where will he go? You know know the Jets are going to check in if he becomes a free agent. The Jets have already contacted the Green Bay Packers about the possibility of bringing Aaron Rodgers to New York. So it looks like Zach Wilson's days in New York are maybe over. Uh, but there are so many teams that need a quarterback. There, I mean, look, the Jets were a mess, right? They had three quarterbacks this year. It was Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco. None of them were affected, although they still, you know, ended up doing all right. You know, they, they kept themselves in it up until the end. Um, you could make the case that the Commanders could use a quarterback. The Carolina Panthers need a quarterback. Look, there's going to be people drafting quarterbacks, but you're going to want to bring somebody in probably that's got, you know, some experience and somebody you can hand the ball to. You know, the Panthers used three starting quarterbacks last year, including Baker Mayfield, who ended up going to the Rams at the end of the year. Uh, you can make the case that the Tennessee Titans need a quarterback. They have Malik Willis, the, the rookie, and they have Ryan Tannehill, who has had injury problems. Houston needs a quarterback. You know, so there are there are plenty of teams out there 
that need help. So Derek Carr will have a job, and he'll have a job fairly quickly. The question is going to be where. Um, and I will be shocked, by the way, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. Absolutely shocked. It would be the right move for the Jets if they can get him. Although you have to know if you're getting Aaron Rodgers, you're taking on a lot of, you know, not just, you know, the fact that he's going to play quarterback, but take on some of that uh, uh, social media stuff that he does and the, the podcasts that he likes to go on and some of the stupid things that he says. And the fact he's, what, 39 years old, how long is he going to play? So do you really want to sign a guy like that that may not have much time left where if you go out and you can sign a free agent in Derek Carr, a guy that could give you four or five years at quarterback, you know, he's only 31 years old. So Derek Carr could play for a while yet. So that's a guy, you know, who has worn out his welcome in Vegas, but a guy that's got plenty of talent. Put the right players around them, they could do okay. So we'll see. It's 44 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 46 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. Got a few minutes left. Uh, by the way, no show tomorrow. Uh, we are going to take tomorrow off. Um, and i uh, got a, got some things I need to do around here. But we will be back Wednesday and uh, the rest of the week. But uh, no show uh, on Tuesday. So just wanted to let you know that ahead of time. Uh, New Mexico State uh, ended its basketball season on Sunday. They have canceled the rest of the season. After uh, news came down, a police report was filed with campus police by one of the players on the New Mexico State team against three of his teammates. Uh, talked about how he, they had been hazing him, and it wasn't just one one event, but this one particular one was uh, what was brought up, where they held him down, uh, removed his clothes, exposed his butt, began to slap him, slap his butt, and they said he touched his scrotum and... Uh, just, I mean, come on, Jesus. Uh, and, uh, so that is going to shut the program down. The chancellor of the school, when this came down, uh, said that, you know, we've got to uphold the safety of our students, integrity of our university. Hey, you think, by the way, this is the same school where just, uh, three months ago, uh, one of the forwards on the team, Mike Peake got suspended because he's being investigated in the case of a fatal shooting of a student from a rival school back in November. Uh, he hasn't been charged yet, but uh, they've suspended him while it's going on. Uh, New Mexico State was only 9-15 and 15 this year. They were 2-10 and 10 in conference play. Uh, they still had seven or eight games left, I think, uh, in the Western Conference. Uh, it's Division One school. Uh, their coaching staff has been put on paid leave. Uh, I would imagine that uh, they are all going to be fired because it's one of those things where, you know, you may not be involved in it, but as the coaching staff that runs that program, you need to be aware of what's going on. And if this student didn't or this this player didn't feel comfortable enough coming to the coaching staff, telling them what was going on and getting a stop to it, that's a problem. If he had to go to the campus police, I mean, this is something that could have been handled internally. Not saying that the guy shouldn't have been charged anyway, but it should have started with the coaching staff. And the fact that, that there's been no talk about that and he went straight to the police, that's a problem. So that uh, 
that is going to uh, end New Mexico State season as it should. Uh, women's basketball yesterday, uh, number one South Carolina remains unbeaten. Uh, they played number three LSU and beat the ever living crap out of them. I mean, it was, uh, you know, and this is uh, uh, that LSU team is coached by Kim Mulkey, uh, who won a couple of uh, national titles at Baylor. Uh, South Carolina beat them 88 to 64 yesterday. LSU was ranked third in the country. Crushed them. Now, you know, Kim Mulkey says, in my opinion, it's South Carolina and everybody else. Well, yes, no kidding. Uh, when uh, when you're that good, you know, and that's the first loss for LSU. They were 23 and 0. Well, they're not 23 and 1. South Carolina is 25 and 0. Now, UConn almost beat them on Sunday, last Sunday. And had UConn had their full roster, they might well have beaten them. But there is no doubt that South Carolina is head and shoulders better than everybody else. Uh, and you know, UConn, you know, after giving LS or uh, giving South Carolina a hell of a game, fell flat on their face against Creighton and lost a game this week. They came back to beat Georgetown on Sunday, although not very convincingly. This UConn team is tired, just flat out tired. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll see what the, the rankings will come out later today. Both men and women will be interesting to see uh, what it looks like. But no no doubt <laughs> South Carolina stays number one in the women's poll. Uh, speaking of tired, I think Jason Tatum needs a rest. Celtics won yesterday. They beat uh, they beat the Grizzlies yesterday, 119 to 109. Uh, but Jason Tatum just stunk yesterday. Fortunately for him, his teammates picked him up. But uh, he had 16 points, but he was only 3 of 16 from the field and was uh, one of eight from three-point range. He had a game like that the other day where he had like a dozen points. You know, he still rebounded the ball pretty well and had some assists, but Jason Tatum is tired. And I saw a headline the other day and said, you know, are the Celtics going to pay for the fact that Jason Tatum hasn't been getting any rest? You know, and, and is it going to catch up to them? You know, he's with all the other injuries, you know, because Jalen Brown's been hurt a few times, Marcus Smart has been hurt, you know, Jason Tatum's been healthy, and they can't afford, with all these other guys out, not to have Jason Tatum on the floor. I mean, Marcus Smart missed his 10th straight game yesterday. So uh, he was not good. And then Jalen Brown out with that facial fracture. They don't know how long he's going to be out. You know, so Tatum's got to play. You know, and they've got a huge game coming up on Tuesday night. They play the Bucks, Top two teams, record-wise, in the Eastern Conference. So, uh, you know, that's just – that's one that uh, uh, he's going to have to come up big. They're going to be at Milwaukee, and that is going to be a huge test. And uh, he better he needs to play better than the 3-for-16 he shot against uh, the Grizzlies. Uh, but Sam Hauser, 20 points. He tied a career high with six threes. Al Horford at 16 points. After – by the way, Al Horford dislocated his finger very badly. It was one of those where it kind of made you almost want to throw up when you saw it, right? And uh, they fixed it, and he came back to play, and he hit three threes in the in the fourth quarter. So Al Horford, the ageless wonder, uh, came up big for them as well. Uh, and Pritchard with uh, 12 points off the bench. And uh, Celtics have now won four straight. But uh, the uh, the number of minutes that Jason Tatum is playing may be starting to catch up with him. Well, as I said, baseball season. Pitchers and catchers report uh for some teams, actually, I think there are some teams that report today. The Red Sox report tomorrow, as do a bunch of other teams, and the others report uh, on Wednesday. We've got uh, the first spring training games coming up in about 10 or 11 days. The World Baseball Classic is the first, well, I think the second week of March, 
and then of course the regular season at the you know the last week of March. So uh, can't wait, can't wait. The, the baseball news from yesterday: Fox announced during the Super Bowl yesterday that Derek Jeter is going to be joining the Fox telecast for baseball this coming year. He is going to be reunited with Alex Rodriguez in the studio along with uh, David Ortiz and Frank Thomas. And uh, Jeter and A-Rod were good friends when they first uh, got together uh, in New York. But then uh, after A-Rod gave an interview with Esquire magazine back in 2001, his relationship with A-Rod cooled quite a bit. They've obviously been able to put things behind him. Uh, They will be on the broadcast together. That should be very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, look, uh, it's going to be interesting with with Jeter. And I say that because Jeter's always been one of those guys that is very uh, quiet. You know, when he was playing, he didn't say a lot. Uh, when he, he, when he, he didn't say a lot when he was uh, uh, working for the Marlins. He's just not a guy that seems to me – to have a ton of personality. Now, perhaps that's not fair. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how he uh, comes across on television. Uh, A-Rod, you know, has been pretty good. I'm not a big A-Rod fan. I think he talks way too much, and I think he talks way too much about himself. Uh, but he does have a personality, and, and he's, you know, I mean, is, he's not necessarily my cup of tea, but he's also, I have to admit, that he's not, you know, the worst thing ever on television. He, he comes across very, very well. So it'll be interesting to see uh, see how Jeter does. All right, that's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow. No, we won't be back tomorrow. We'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. No show tomorrow. So we'll be back on Wednesday, and we'll be here for the rest of the week. Uh, but we will have tomorrow off, so just wanted to make sure everybody was aware of that. Now, for those of you uh, listening around the country that uh, don't listen live but pick it up on the podcast, I appreciate you doing that. Spread the word. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we took some time off when we moved down here, and now that we're back, the numbers are starting to come back up. Very happy about that, and uh, I thank you for spending some time with us this morning. We're going to leave you with some music from Peter Gabriel this morning. It's his 73rd birthday, former member of Genesis. Probably had a better solo career than he did a Genesis career, but uh, uh, in honor of his birthday, here's a little In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Have a great day. We'll see you Wednesday.